Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your guest host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. Today, we're joined by Andrew Martin from PwC Products and Technology. Andrew currently leads a team of product managers, technologists, developers, and marketing and sales resources in helping to build and deliver products and technology-enabled services. With over 18 years of experience leading teams and developing resources dedicated to building an effective employee experience, Andrew has some great insight to share regarding a challenge facing many HR leaders today, and that's turning the great resignation into the great onboarding experience. Andrew, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's nice to meet you, and thanks for the wonderful introduction. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, and thank you for coming on. So before we jump into a conversation about the great onboarding and really creating that great onboarding experience, I'd love to learn more about you, Andrew, and just how your career path brought you to being in your role currently with PwC. Yeah, thanks. Um, so um, I've I kicked around in technology, both um, startups as well as big tech, for a couple of years after college, and then uh, and then joined PwC after business school in 2010. Um, done a number of roles at the firm, from consulting to kind of tech alliances. Um, got to do a product role with um, on the Meta account team, and then enrolled into doing PDBC product work about five years ago. So I'm kind of an old hat at it uh, in PDBC vernacular, um, but it's a really exciting space, and it's the growth engine of professional services, uh, PDBC included. That's great. And so, what are some of the things you currently work on with your team? Yeah, so we we really try to focus on being this human-led product development. So taking personas, people, actual people, and trying to find problems that they're having with their work construct. And then how do we develop technology and solutions to help alleviate those problems? You know, extra credit if you can turn it into a SaaS offering. But we really just try to develop things that will help people be more effective at work. That's the charter of the business. We're lucky to have a large number of clients globally. And so we have a, we have a fairly large channel with which we can deliver our technologies. But really, it's solving problems for people in real time and, and driving incremental value across um, across PDBC's clients and lifecycle. That's a great goal and, and I'm sure a never-ending mission, but bringing employees in and really creating that great employee experience starts from day one. And one of the big things I want to tackle with you today is what to do after acquiring that great talent, right? The great resignation is the big driver in so many conversations in the human resources and people operations space. But once you do have that great talent and you've got to bring them on board to a new team, how do you do that well and effectively? Uh, so I'm hoping we can dig into that today. But before we look at what to do correctly and how to do it better, I want to take a step back and look at where we've come from, right? So much has changed in the last two years with obviously the changes in the pandemic and the shift to a remote work era. So what did onboarding look like in the old office culture prior to the shift to the remote era where teams became distributed? So it wasn't very good. Everybody had an onboarding experience. Probably was mixed. It wasn't great, you know, not knowing where to go, who to talk to. And you still have the benefit for many workers in corporate jobs of being in person. Also for like distributed workforce, whether you're a salesperson or you work in a manufacturing facility or you're a frontline worker, like you didn't have that same experience. It wasn't digitally enabled, highly dependent on people and relationships. Um, And it was full of friction. Where do I go? What do I do? Who do I talk to? How does this work? What day am I paid? All those questions were unanswered and delivered in this inconsistent manner. Then the pandemic hit, and for those of us that went home, oh my gosh, now we have nothing. If you started a new job the past two years, you probably haven't seen your boss. You probably haven't been to the office. 
It's just further changed everything. It's just made it harder and harder. But it wasn't very good to begin with, as it turns out. There was opportunity for improvement um, and opportunity for digital en enablement and engagement. Right. I mean, even from my own experiences, onboarding really was putting all new employees together, maybe in one room as part of a rookie camp or an initial introduction to the company. And then you're off really on your own to meet groups independently. Just go do it, right? Like, here you go. Good luck. You know, we don't, there's no playbook. There's no, there's no guide path. There's no checklist. When I onboarded at PDBC, they flew everyone to Atlanta and we built bicycles for a weekend. That was it, right? Which is cool. It was right. fun. But like, you didn't have any, how is that applicable to my job? How do I make sure I'm connecting with my marketing team around, around activities that are needed? And how do I connect with my boss? And where's the culture? And how is it digitized? And what day do I get paid? All that stuff was just left ambiguous. And it was challenging. And if you think about new workers, whether you're new to a company or new to the workforce, raising your efficacy around work is so important. Most people don't succeed at work because they're scared. They don't know where to go, right? There's this fear. And so how can we deliver technologies to help alleviate some of those barriers and, and really help people be successful with their new jobs? It's a really important mission. And again, from an office worker, but down to a, someone that works in a manufacturing plant, we're on a farm. How do you digitize that onboarding experience, right? It's it, the same things need to be fulfilled from a human perspective and, and we can do it today. That's so great. Now, was there one thing that stuck out to you as just being completely wrong and that we overlooked prior to March, 2020 in the onboarding experience? We started this in the fall of 2016, which is crazy now to think back on it. Um, to the fall of 2016, we were doing a series of engagements with large tech firms uh, in Silicon Valley. And the thesis was, how, do we, how does PBC come in and help digitize offerings for you, large tech company? And the resounding issue was, well, when we have new people, we don't know what to do with them. Nothing's consistent. Everything's broken. It's this bespoke experience. So you, PDBC, could develop something that standardizes the process, adds incremental value, um, and helps us better engage with our workers as they start anew. Um, and so building on that theme the past five and six years now with transitions from COVID, what does that actually mean? Like, how do you document a process? How do you document onboarding? Um, none of that was fulfilled before, which is crazy to think about, right? If you go to a random company today, they will probably have a dozen different onboarding checklists for new hires, right? That's nuts. Nothing's consistent, nothing's standard. And so that was in itself was just scoping out what we want this to be as a company and what experience do we want our people to feel like as they're going through this onboarding experience. Now put COVID into it. And to your point, we're not in an office. There's no rookie camp. There's no room to build bikes or have beers or whatever. Um, and all of a sudden, what is the structure? You didn't have anything before besides people together. And now that's gone. So literally it blows up what was had. And now there's something that now is needed to be created, right? What is this newness? You know, the pandemic has been terrible for many ways, but also the opportunity out of it has been phenomenal because we're able to really focus on what do we want our people to experience in those first 30 days or 90 days or six months, right? And, and what do we want them to feel like? And at the end of that time, how do we want them to be educated about their jobs and about the company, about the culture? And it's hard, right? There's a lot of stuff on telecommuting and how that may or may not work, right? We do know that people that are in the office before COVID get promoted at a higher rate. So there are all these triggers for needing to engage with people in manners that we didn't have and now we've lost for COVID. And I don't think we're going back to the office anytime soon. I mean, not full time. I think those days are gone, you know? Sure. Right. I mean, no one has the magic eight ball to say what this looks like. And I think so many teams are trying to figure out what works best for them. Is it staying remote? Is it going back to a hybrid model? Or can you return fully in office? And I think anyone who says that they know for certain what works is taking a guess at this point. 
you're shooting. Yeah, you're just kind of shooting out there and seeing what sticks. Right. It's not just office workers. Again, it's just, there is a large distributed workforce that has to show up somewhere. You know, it's not just sending someone a MacBook and saying, here you go, welcome to this tech firm, right? Like, there is a large group of people that are starting jobs all the time that need some sort of digital engagement to make sure that they're ready to go on day one and also ready to go on day 92. I mean, it's just so important. So with that, Andrew, what is the real importance in building an effective and positive onboarding experience? It's tough, right? So first of all, it's expensive to hire somebody. It's really expensive to target talent, onboard them, train them, get them hired. You know, you can see in the news today, there's a bunch of discussions around hourly workers and turnover associated with these large companies, whether it's Starbucks or Amazon or what have you. It's really expensive to hire people. So there's these basic KPIs of like, I'm spending all this money. If I can keep someone an extra quarter, an extra year, what have you, I get more value. The second thing is that like from a human perspective, you want to impact people's lives, right? And so as we are, as business leaders and we're, and as we're bringing people into our company, into our culture, there's an impetus of us to make that a good experience, right? Like they're representing our brand. They're talking to our clients and customers. And we really need to make it better for them, right? Like we have to do that. And the third thing for maybe for younger workers or folks that are coming back into the workforce, it has to be a good experience. They have to be excited and engaged and know what to do. Their efficacy around work needs to be high enough that they can make an impact. There's likely all these Einsteins running around, right? There's really smart people. We have to find them and we have to cultivate experiences for them to be successful as soon as possible. And companies that do that really well, you know, you think about the Silicon Valley startups, the folks that pull really smart people in, find opportunities for them to be successful, those firms outpace the market tenfold. I mean, it's just amazing to see how it goes. But if you don't do that, there's this huge opportunity cost that's lost. And so, again, like there's a business imperative to do it right. Uh, and there's all these negative costs when you do it wrong or don't do it at all. Sure. I mean, there's so much effort put into finding that talent, bringing that new talent in, especially in the great resignation when it has been proven to be harder to bring in and find that perfect person. But then what? And I think that's the, the piece that needs to be focused on is, OK, now you've got them committed. Now, how do you create that experience to build a long-term employee, somebody who feels a part of the corporate culture and wants to stay and contribute and grow? Yeah, build a relationship. Right, exactly. Not just be there for six months and then look for their new opportunity because they don't feel fulfilled, but stay there for a year, two years, make maybe a career out of that decision that you made to bring them on. And you're fighting all these macro trends, right? Kind of the gig workforce, the, the flexibility that comes from it is real, and it's really important for some people. The desire to switch jobs, the, the mobility aspects. I mean, you're, there are these macro trends and headwinds, but it's functionally better for a firm and their customers and clients if you keep people and they're happy and they're engaged. And to your point, they're sticking around, right? They're adding value. They're learning. They're driving, they're driving innovation within your company. If you look at key performing indicators of leading firms, those are all there. It's about the people, right? It's all about the people and how well you can cultivate that resource. Sure. And from your existing employees, too, you want to be able to bring in that new employee who can contribute right away and fit into the existing culture. Sometimes if you bring somebody in who is ill-prepared and just does not keep up with where the rest of the group is, you're going to lose something just in performance and productivity. And all that comes into really creating that initial great onboarding experience to make sure that the new employees, the new ingredients to the recipe works and fits. And can add value for your clients and your customers, right? It's so important. Right. They're representing your brand. We need to make sure it's a, it's a wonderful experience for these new folks. 
I mean, people are at the center of all we do, right? All the, all this is is us trying to help each other out through our lives. And onboarding and starting something new and fresh is so important to all of us. I mean, it's how we live. It's how we feed our families. And the more impactful engagement we can give people uh, to ensure that they're ready to go, ready to contribute, ready to engage is is priceless. It's, it's a really good mission and it's a really good value. And there's business impacts on the, the tail end. Like it actually makes sense. Like you can make more money, you can save money. Like it's a rare example of both things are great and it's really exciting. I love this stuff. So taking that, we talked about where onboarding was prior to the pandemic where everyone was shifted to a remote work culture. How did it change? How did onboarding change over the last two years? I, you know, it's funny you say that. So actually most people didn't go most people in the United States didn't actually leave the office or leave their workplace. The type of engagement shifted. The number of resources around workers changed. And so instead of doing you know, group huddles, group meetings, maybe those group sessions to start off, engagement with managers, much of that has become digitized, although not all. You don't have the personalized experiences that you once had before. And also, I don't, you know, we're still adjusting. I think most of my clients have spent the first 18 months of the pandemic planning on a return to office. And then as it became clear in the fall that that probably was never going to happen again, another pivot happened. Um, and so now what you're seeing is a number of bespoke ways that clients and customers of ours are attracting, onboarding, and delivering this new experience to employees. You know, we now see standardized processes because you have to have them. You can't throw people in rooms. Now you've actually had to hire people for it, right? Like because you never had it before, you actually need to hire folks to manage these processes. In an office worker construct, um, most of it's now digitized, right? They send you a computer, they give you a number to call, and, you, and you're off and going. From a frontline worker perspective, it also has changed. You don't have that person from corporate coming in and doing those learning and development sessions. You probably don't have the team dinners that you once had or team experiences you once had in the break room or in the back of the store. Um, and so a lot of it has been changed and a lot of opportunity has been identified. You know, we need to figure out a way to, to push digital culture. We need to figure out a way to build efficacy and engagement and learning and development opportunities that are not traditionally delivered to a lot of workers. Even us with computers, it's just different, right? You need new things. You need new ways of working. So standard processes are being deployed and then innovation is happening, right? People are you know, buying our, our solutions to help other things in the marketplace as well. Um, and so when, you know, sometimes when things hit rock bottom, that's when innovation happens, which is super exciting. And so now, gosh, for hybrid workers, we're doing this and for fully remote workers or something else. And maybe for people that have to have to be in an office somewhere or be at a store, again, there's a third option. And so it's really been an exciting time, with, again, with all the innovation and changes. Yeah, the two things you said there, Andrew, that really jumped out at me was learning to embrace technology in a different way. I think so much of us learned to use technology even more efficiently and better than we had previously. Technology has always been a driver in the business world, but so many teams learned to use technology to communicate effectively when all of a sudden we were all pushed into our own home offices or distributed offices. We found that, hey, all these tech tools that existed could actually help solve problems and keep us going. And that included onboarding, right? Using technology to onboard and bring on new employees, but then also becoming really intentional with what you are creating with your programs and having a process set in place. Not necessarily just saying, hey, show up in the office on day one, we'll figure it out. No, you had to have a set schedule of here's what we're doing with our onboarding and with our employees. Just like any other function of most workers' days had to be much more intentional, more meetings, more designated time set aside to make sure you're spending time with teams, with direct reports. The same applies for onboarding. 
So I like that word intentional. So a lot of my clients that are HR managers, talent managers, et cetera, their jobs have changed exponentially. It's gotten harder in many ways, but it, uh, you have more opportunities to innovate because you need to be so intentional with your engagement, with how you are engaging with your peers, how you're engaging with your leadership and how you engage with these new employees. And so the type of role that the folks that were doing this in you know December of 19 we're doing versus now is totally different. And so even innovation on the HR side, on the human resource manager side is, has changed exponentially. And I think people are still catching up to what that future holds and, you know, linking arms with one another and building it together because there's no way forward, right? You have to have good values, be human led and move forward in a manner that achieves some success for your company. But you got to do it together. It's a team sport. Right. And the days of having an employee shadow are very different. You need to make sure you're scheduling that time for a new employee to meet their team members, but also maybe have 30 minutes built in that they can take a breather and really digest some of the information you've given them. But know that you need to really be booking and thinking about their time effectively and efficiently to create a full experience. Yeah, but like, who do they go talk to, and which Slack channels do they join, and where's the te- where's the where's the what's the WhatsApp message, like all this stuff that we that just happened before, right? That's inherent in all of us being social animals, social beings. That's all gone. And so, you, yeah, when you're new to a company, you're fully remote. Like, you have to help people through nudges and te- like just with, through technology to to bring them up to speed in a manner that they can like interact with folks because right. that was all taken away which is fascinating right like what do you do if you just turn it off and people figured it out which is really encouraging and cool and there's still a long way to go but i, I completely agree with you so now we're at this point where we're all learning and figuring out what's the better way to do it and the end goal is the same right it's creating this great onboarding experience and building a great introductory experience for new employees to become long-term employees lifetime employees even So what are some elements that HR leaders can introduce into their onboarding process to create a better overall onboarding experience? So I'll go back to one of the words you used. So I think that intentional bit is really important, purposeful, values-driven. So as we all move forward, make sure that our values are being delivered in a digital manner. Our company values and personal values are being delivered in a digital manner to new employees. Human-led, right? I think giving all of us grace with this incredibly challenging times we're living through is awfully important. So value-driven, human-led, and then technology-enabled. You don't need to buy new technologies, but how are we using what we have today to be able to deliver a better experience for an individual person, for the person that's going through this tremendous change? How do we make sure that we're bringing them up to speed as fast as possible so they can add value? Um, And it's not just for our company to grow revenues, but really for this person to have a great experience at a new company. Maybe they're right out of college. And this is their first job, and it's so important to bring them into the fold and raise their efficacy on this new job because they may be the next Einstein or Steve Jobs, right? They really might. Or you're at the tail end of your career, and you maybe just you maybe got pushed out through the great resignation, and this is your last chance. Though everybody is so important, and every person deserves the opportunity to be successful in, in this new way of working. Um, and it's impinging upon us and on, on HR leaders everywhere to really be human-led and purposeful in that addiction and then let their values drive through through the engagement with these new employees. So one thing you mentioned there, Andrew, that I really want to look at is so much is looked at personalization and flexibility in the workplace. And that's something that so many workers have valued and learned to value over the last two years. Yeah. And many employers are embracing, providing those opportunities to their workers, also opening up their recruiting channels to not say, hey, we're only recruiting from where we physically can be, but hey, we're going to recruit throughout the entire United States or even globally to bring in new talent and open up that talent pool. 
But with that comes the challenge of a distributed workforce trying to work toward a common goal. So how do you overcome that in onboarding and really drive home a shared corporate culture when oftentimes so many teams can be distributed and spread out across the United States or across the globe? So what we've seen, and I think what leading companies deploy, is first of all, you have to have some values, right? What do we want to do? It goes back to that word intentional and purposeful. What do we want to be? If the opening the aperture to new employees that work in Wichita or in Zambia or in Australia, wherever, um, is a great thing, right? It increases the opportunity for all of us. It's really a wonderful thing. But to your point, you're no longer in the office. You no longer have that CEO or that, um, that office leader that's charging up with the troops and connecting with people. Um, and so you need to write it down. You need to have a digital culture. You need to make sure your digital culture matches what your physical values are as a business. And you need to do it. You need to live it. As you bring on folks from distributed areas, you need to make sure that they have the same opportunities to live those values as, as your traditional workforce has traditionally had. With telework, there's been a lot of... There's a lot of research on telework. It doesn't really work. Up until the pandemic, it wasn't a great way. You know, there's probably been no CEOs that were promoted who are teleworkers, right? Right. Like it's actually not a great way to promote your career in a corporate America or the corporate world. That has to change, right? That has to change. You need to have the same opportunities in a distributed manner to be equitable to ensure that everybody has an opportunity to grow their potential. And it starts with this onboarding experience. It starts with the values that your leadership is delivering. And because you're not a person, have to figure out how to digitize them, write them down, have Slack channels, Teams channels, whatever that is to engage people and ensure that we are being a values-driven organization and that you can do this from anywhere in the world. And we will support that and support your growth and, and make sure that we're giving you the same opportunities as everyone else. I think what you said too is so important that there really hasn't been a blueprint for advancement and career growth in a telework environment previously. And I think that's so much why you've seen hesitation from certain large companies. Netflix is the big one that comes to mind that made a firm stance early on in the shift to remote work saying, we're not staying remote permanently. We're coming back into the office fully. I think that needs to change. And we're seeing a lot of companies embrace and change that when maybe previously they said, no, no, we're coming back. We need to be full time. And now they're saying, well, hold on a second. Maybe we don't need to go that direction. We can find ways to be better, and a lot of that comes with learning how to use those communication channels, like you said, and find that it can be done with technology. It's harder. It's harder. Right? Sure. So financial services also had an issue, the big tech. You know, I don't know, for those of you who are a meta office, there's an experience when you go to a Facebook office, right? That's carefully curated. Same thing with a financial service institution. But it's changed. we got to figure it out, right? People don't want that type of experience anymore. Our relationship to work and to specific places, that terroir of the work experience, is severed, likely not coming back. So we need to figure it out. There's an imperative to figure it out to keep good people, but you're right. Like there's, a, you, there's so much missing. So there's this opportunity area to really grow. You know, Web3 and virtual reality is an area that we're investing in. Super interesting, but it's so nascent. That we're not doing this podcast in VR, for example, right? We could, but like, it's still so new. How do we get there? How do we do it? What does it look like? Uh, it's, it's a brave new world. Absolutely. So looking at the onboarding experience and just the use of so many communication channels that are out there, I think that's a crucial piece of this new onboarding experience is learning how to create communication channels, not just for how to do your job and learn about your job in those first 30, 60, 90 days, but also just how to feel ingrained in the corporate culture and using those to create resource groups um, mm -hmm. and, and meeting groups. I think that's been really interesting to see. So I completely agree. I mean, you know, hyper DNI, right? Or, you know, how do you how do you develop 
um, you know, greater San Diego, California action committees for group of distributed workers, right? Like that's super interesting. And how to use technology to ensure that people know what to, how to collect, how to congregate, how to do those things we used to do in person. You know, I worked with a large waste management company around an acquisition. They, they bought another waste management company. And we sent a million text messages to 10,000 garbage truck workers over a three-week period. To your point, to like get them together. Here's where we meet to get coffee in the mornings. And here's where you fill up your trucks with gas. And here's what here's the shirt you have to wear. And here's what days we get paid. That's blocking and tackling. But it's so important to build that efficacy and build those communities and build those relationships. As you go through these transformative activities, um, whether it's hyper-local, I'm joining a new company, or there's a bunch of people joining the company. It is so important and it can be so impactful. And then the inverse is true. If we don't nail it, it, it's, can, it can be devastating. It doesn't, if it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. Right. And these technologies can be used to really create the new water cooler. Totally. The digital water cooler, right? And how do you, how do you cultivate that? How do you engage it? How do you make it safe and secure and, uh, and again, equitable and, and inclusive? Um, but it has to be, we're social beings. We need connectivity. We need, we need connection. We need that engagement with each other. And, and from a networking perspective, you know, one of my colleagues and I this afternoon were talking about how it's so hard to do that. It's just so hard to do that, this environment. Um, but again, I think it starts on day one and day two and day 10 and, gosh, I've been here for 14 years, whatever 14 years of time is, like you, ha- you have to keep doing it. You have to keep engaging because it's so important. You're building this great onboarding experience and teams are now committing to figuring out how to do it the right way. How do you use surveys and feedback on the back end, though, to learn and get better? Well, yeah, employee listening is really, um, is really important and it ties back into what you're doing. So we're doing some really cool stuff with PDBC. I'll just talk about it for a minute. You can actually pull in information, uh, digital information, and build lattices. So we can build digital networks of how people are engaging. Um, And so when we're talking, who you're talking to, how much you're engaging, you can find those keystone employees in an organization that that are the glue to making sure that you're driving your culture. And you can visualize it. It's really quite fascinating. Um, but ultimately, you want you know you need to you need to have an open dialogue with your new employees and make sure that you're you're satisfying their, their again their human specific person needs. You need to ask them how's it going, what's working, what's not working. One of the things that we've observed in leading up to these changes is you're starting to document onboarding processes, and you're also finding bottlenecks. You're finding things that don't work. You're finding things that don't work as intended. You're finding the places that people drop out of jobs, right? It's just too hard to show up on day one, or it's just too hard to keep going. And so with all these changes, you can just see some opportunities to, to grow. Um, but it goes back to listening to folks, listening to your teams, listening to your, to your new employees. And then as you get that feedback, driving that back into your processes, driving that back into your corporate culture. I mean, if someone who's on day 10 can't say articulate the, the, the company values like you miss the boat on day one it's things like that that are so important and there's so many ways to engage and to get these information you know, using conversational systems and survey systems and uh, and metadata opportunities to pull in who's talking to whom it exists but you have to be intentional with doing it right using analytics really to improve that system can be such a, a smart approach and you see it across the board. Look, I'm a baseball fan, and sabermetrics is such a major piece of the current game and getting inside the numbers to learn how to be better. The same can apply with onboarding. And people analytics in general, right? I mean, how do you take, how do you take your HR talent folks and turn those into money ball 
type execs. That's ha that will happen. It's happening now. You can apply a robust set of data and analytics to drive better outcomes for your organization. Now we have the, finally, we have the technology that we can capture all of this stuff. It's fascinating. And because for those of us that are fully digital, we have a repository of it. So not only do we have the information, the tools needed to mine, we actually have all the digital exhaust that we can capture. Right. Um, Baseball is a great analogy, right? Like you're watching, you know, whatever, 500 at-bats a year. Uh, you can capture all that information and you can do something with it. It's, it's pretty fascinating. So really what the question is, we started this decade in this weird place. We're going to exit the decade. 2029 is going to look so much different than 2019. It will be unrecognizable, right? How we engage, how we work, the global structure of our supply chain, health and safety. Um, this next you know, eight years is going to truly be transformational on the macro level. Um, and again, these talent executives, the, H, the folks that listen to this podcast are going to be at the center of those changes um, because it's all about the people, people's expectations, people's experiences, people's abilities. That's, that is more melding and shifting and changing. Um, and we want to be intentional with how we guide folks through together, guide folks through to create that new opportunity, that new world. So let me ask Andrew, we've seen a shift just in the general mindset of success and accomplishment in the workforce from punching the clock, from being nine to five to being performance-based. Are you accomplishing your goals? Are you accomplishing your tasks? How does that apply to the onboarding process and how are we measuring success in an onboarding process in this current era? So, you know, there's traditional metrics of retention. So how, how effective are you at retaining workers? This would depend between, you know, frontline, customer-facing workers, um, versus maybe more um, corporate folks. But really, there's a level of like, did, did someone stick around long enough to um, recoup their their cost? I think there's another metric around impact and engagement. So depending on your job function, sales rep, or you know, you're working in a manufacturing plant, you have a throughput of your job. And so you can tie the success of an onboarding period back to actual hard metrics of the job, right? Like how well did I sell? I'm a salesperson. How well did I sell out my offer, you know, my my widgets this this month or this quarter or this year? The more education and impact that you can give someone in the early days, they will be better sellers. They will be better burrito rollers uh, on day 30 and 90 than right if you give them the opportunity. So you can tie it to hard metrics. We, we don't see that as often. It's it's really the retention. Now you're seeing because we are so distributed um, is you're actually tying it to hard metrics. Does our onboarding actually drive the business going forward? You know, and where are people dropping out? Also, because we're disconnected, you're also seeing this human element. Like, how happy are you at work? Right? Is this working? Do you like it? Um, I know with my employees, I, you know, I, the, the question I always ask is, what can I do for you today? Right? How can I help you unblock something that's impacting you? And so both with the hard metrics, but also with this people-centric, like, are you doing okay? Do you like this job? It's hard to hire good people. There's plenty of jobs. Like, we have other stuff to do. Is this what you want to spend your time doing? And so, you know, both are being delivered. Um, and I think both are being delivered to a lot of success. Right. That's that intention idea yeah. of really being intentional with your workforce, with your staff, with your team, and understanding that everybody may be in different places, but to always be checking in, making sure that there aren't any pain points that you're missing that you may have picked up on in a previously in-person experience. And we don't want to lose good people. Like if, if you hire someone, it's a great fit for your organization. Your talent team did a wonderful job of sourcing them. HR team did a great job bringing them in. But they don't have the comfort in the organization to say, gosh, I shouldn't have taken this tax job. I really want to be in the product org. 
if you lose this person and that's that's just that's ho- just horrible right because you right. they're a great resource they fit they love your brand they love your customers like how do we give them the opportunities to be successful in your org whatever path their professional journey takes and again onboarding and starting that is beginning it's it's being purpose-led and it's being intentional and it's just so important and again i go back to it because most of us aren't around each other anymore we have we have to figure it out we have to write it down we have to we have to be intentional and purposeful with, with delivery so onboarding that's that first great step in a employee employer relationship but as we're learning and, and really innovating and figuring out what that next step is going forward what do you see as the future of the workplace in, and that relationship between employers and employees? So work is so important to people. Again, from a human level, you know, people like to work. There's a social aspect to that. There's obviously tactical things of I have a family that I need to feed. But people like to work and they like to do good work and they like to make an impact in the world and they like to make an impact with their communities. And that doesn't change, right? That doesn't change. And in fact, I, I would say that what the pandemic has taught me and my colleagues and my clients is that like it's really important to be purposeful and intentional with the work you do. And so, you know, I, you know, there's some people that say that we'll be more disconnected from our jobs. But I actually think if you're the right job with the right company with the right values, you're going to you're going to be more into it, right? It's going to be better. I like my job. I get up in the morning and I'll get online because I like what I'm doing. Hopefully, we can give everyone the opportunity to just love what they're doing and just drive that value and and really be intentional and engaging and do things that matter. I think that's the future of work. I think that's the future of all of us being successful. And I'm hopeful that we'll get there together. And those are elements that can be brought into employees in day one, right? That's something you can start an employee experience with. You have to, right? You kind of have to, right? You have to lead with this intentional, this is what we believe, this is what we're doing. And and we want you to be part of this journey. And we want you to be on our team with this journey and, and link arms and do it together. It's, it is critical into nailing it. So great. So we're here today on the HR Works podcast with Andrew Martin of PwC Products and Technology. We're talking about the great onboarding and building that better onboarding experience for new employees. So Andrew, I want to look at really what's changed for you. We've talked so much of what's changed in the workplace over the last two years. What's changed for you? And what have you learned over the last two years that's made you a more effective leader? So I have had the wonderful opportunity of growing teams during the pandemic, growing global teams onboarding new people into my specific org and also working with clients as they're going through the transition. I think the big thing is meeting people where they're at and giving giving grace to everyone's situations, right? It's been a tough two and a half years for everybody, regardless of where you live and what you do. And just being there for each other and making sure that, that I'm a, as a leader and a business person and building teams that are inclusive and teams that are values driven and teams that are intentional what we're doing. Um, and I, I guess it ties back to the onboarding discussion, but really like I, I want my folks that work for me and with me um, to love what they do, to be rock stars at it, to add as much value as they can, but also not to kill themselves, right? This is just a job. There's no need to work hundred hours a week. So when you're engaged and driving value, be all in. And when you're not, be all out and that's okay. But cultivating that type of team and that type of relationship with folks that work for me has been really eye-opening and important. And also, in my traditional roles, I was, I was a consulting engagement person. Now I'm managing teams of product folks. So there's a little difference with how you're managing teams. And I am not ever the smartest person in the room, ever. And so being humble to help allow someone 
to add value, whether no matter how well they are or what they do, because they're smarter than I am, um, has just it's been it's been eye opening. It's been transformational. It's been so important, and it's been personally fulfilling. Yeah, being transparent is such a, a crucial piece of that too. I, I loved what you said there about not necessarily being the smartest person in the room or having to know everything and owning that. That's something I've learned myself is that admitting your limitations. I only know X amount of this. What would you do? What would you do? Yeah. What would you do better? What should we do? And, and so there's some consensus element to that, but it's just making sure everyone has a voice and sure. everyone feels confident and comfortable to add that yeah, voice. That's great. It's been a tra- so it's been transformational for me as well, for many of us, right? In this, uh, I think during these times, right? If you were able to lean in and had an organization that was values driven, there was a lot of growth. And I hope everyone had that opportunity to, to do that. I know I did. Yes, so much of us have learned that grace piece, but then also learned to ask, hey, how are you doing? Are you good? Are you okay? Yeah, it's important. And then it certainly made teams stronger through this process as well. And I think it's made us better. It's made us better people. It's made us better with our intention of delivering value to our customers and our clients. And it's, yeah, to your point, it's made us more more of a team, more better together. 100%. Okay, so Andrew, having over 18 years of experience in various professional roles, has there been one piece of advice that you were given that really has helped you through and progress through your career that you'd be willing to give and share to our audience? Yeah, so I do. So the advice that I go back to pretty consistently comes from the former CEO of PDBC. His name is Bob Moritz. I met him when I first joined the firm 14 years ago. Um, We were walking to a meeting and I just had a minute with him. Like, oh, Bob, what's the secret to your success, right? And he said, stay close to your clients and the people that your clients are and solve their problems. So stay close to your clients and solve their problems and you'll be just fine. And he's right. Like stay close. Great advice. Yeah, stay close to the people that, that you're supposed to serve and help solve their problems and you'll be just fine. Right. And that can be either client facing or even internally with your team. That's right. If you're a team leader, your direct reports, those are your clients. Those are the people you should stay close to and help solve their problems. And you'll be just fine. I like that because it also carries through when you're frustrated with your job or things aren't going as well as planned, right? It's just, it is good advice and it can, it has carried me through and I really appreciate what he said. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. So Andrew, for our last question, and I like to ask this of all of our guests, you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor. What's the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day? Oh, my kids. I have little kids. I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old and they are the light of my wife and I's life. That'll do it. And that'll certainly get you going. That and a cup of coffee. And... <laughs> there you go, man. Or cups cups of coffee. Cups of coffee, of course. <laughs> Look, Andrew Martin, again, with PwC Products and Technology, thank you so much for joining the HR Works podcast and sharing just so much about building that great onboarding experience. Uh, it was great talking to you today, and we hope you can have you back soon. Thank you, my friend. You as well. Thank you for listening to the HR Works podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.